Listen now to the somber sound of commemorations from the memorial services for the victims of the Armenian genocide at the hands of the Turks a century ago. The ceremonies took place on the outskirts of the Armenian capital of Yerevan today. Now, this is a very different sound. That's the Vestal New York High School Marching Band. I grew up in Vestal, New York, right outside of Binghamton, next door to an Armenian family, the Abashans. They were dear friends. My brothers and sister played with Roxanne, Velvet Nadine, Paul, Peter, and Kathy Rose for years. We heard their Armenian songs, snacked on their strange Middle Eastern food, but never once heard a hint of the genocide a century ago that was the reason, one of the reasons, their family lived next to us in our yard and two-car garage neighborhood in upstate New York. Never a hint of that genocide story. Time passed, of course. I had my career. We moved away from Vestal when I was in seventh grade. I became the reporter. Velvet Nadita Bashan became a successful real estate broker right here in New York. She's the head of Avian Village Realty, and it turns out we're neighbors in lower Manhattan. At least our offices are neighbors. But in my travels in the Middle East in the 80s, there were many encounters with old, abandoned Armenian churches, gravesites, artifacts of a vanished culture in eastern Turkey. And I thought of those days with the Abashans and wanted to know more. I thought of those days many, many times. And so this week, with the century commemoration of the genocide, I decided to reach out. Velvet Nadine Abashan, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. It's great to see you. You look fantastic. Thank you. It's been 50 years since we've sat down and had any time to talk at all. Um, my first question is, why do you think we never knew, we never shared that story? We all learned about Anne Frank in the school growing up in elementary school. Why do you think that story never came up as part of our family-to-family friendship? And it was close. You know, I don't I, – I've thought a lot about it ever since you called me to come and chat with you about this. And our family – my grandmother spoke about it a great deal when I was growing up. I lived with her for a time when I was younger, and I heard a lot about the stories. But I think that their experience when they came here to this country, they were focused very much on trying to assimilate. When they first came here, they, they lived – in downtown Binghamton on Clinton Street, which was a a not very nice part of town. Right, right, and they right. lived in the tenements, and they had a lot of children. My grandparents had seven children, and they were discriminated against. And they I, – I think that our family spent a good deal of time wanting to prove that they were deserving and worthy. Mm-hmm. And they all became highly successful, very educated, and there wasn't much focus on what happened to us. And your grandmother was in the middle of it. She actually was in the middle of it. She she came from a Syrian town called Kesab, which was just south of where Turkey is right now. And she grew up in that town. She was approximately 15 or 16 in 1915 when the massacre occurred. And very near their village, there was a, a mountain called Musada, which very famous, very famous mountain, and her her family and her brother actually was. I think one of her brothers was killed in the revolution, but others were able to get the family up to the mountain, and they were part of that whole. Uh, I think it's Franz Wurzel book. He wrote a book in 1935 called "The Forty Days of Musa Da," 
and the family went up there and held off the Turks, and the French came and rescued them. And those 40 days on the mountain were the only sort of stand-up against the Turks who had free reign in the villages right. of eastern Turkey. Right. These were the, 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 the insurgents who decided to make a stand. And uh, ultimately, they were not successful in holding their land, but they did survive, including your grandmother. Right, right. The French came. They rescued them. They, they somehow, I don't know how it was determined, they were going to Port Said in Egypt, but they they sent them there on a ship, and my grandmother stayed in an internment camp for five years there. It was run by the British. And her brother, a brother, survived and went with her and determined that she needed to be married after five years. She was 21. And <laughs> the said, brother gets to decide that. The brother decided, and my grandmother had no say in it, and she met my grandfather at the altar. And then they came on a ship here in 1921 in December, and there was apparently a an Armenian group up in Binghamton. Today, I think there's about 350 Armenian families in Binghamton, and they emigrated up to that area. They often say that um, the the impact of something like this on the first generation is the most intense. What was, do you think, the impact on your dad? I think, I think he had... You know, an incredible respect for her and the the hardship that she survived. And I think that it made their journey and their their business of assimilating here so much easier because you could always have a yardstick to say, well, look what my parents endured. And here I'm having trouble with this or trouble with that. It doesn't it's, – it's nothing compared to what others have endured. And, and my father was a very strong person. He – he never spoke about the genocide. Right. Never. Right. never. We, we as a family never discussed it. The only time it was ever discussed is when I was much, much younger. I would spend a great deal of time with my grandmother uh, at her home in Binghamton. And she would tell me about things mm. that had happened. And she very much missed her country and her family. She was completely estranged from her entire family. She was separated from them for more than 50 years. Until a moment when she was reunited with her sister, a right. moment that you witnessed. I witnessed. It was it was a remarkable moment to see these two worlds come together and these two sisters from across the world meet each other after not seeing each other for 50 years. It was It was very emotional, very profound, and very, very, very memorable. I, I won't forget it. You know, I, I, I regret we never shared that, right. you know, as family to family. Right. I, mean, I wish I'd known about that. I wish we'd been able to break bread over that story. I mean, we knew so much about other elements of American history and World mm-hmm. War II history, World War I history. My, right. my grandpa lost an arm after World War One. He was in World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I. I'm, I have to say I'm really sorry about that, and I'm really glad to speak with you about it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. And, uh, you know, uh, we keep our secrets well in America, I guess, huh? Well, we certainly do. And, you know, I, I, I think at some point I had read that, uh, you know, when Hitler was deciding that he was going to have the Holocaust, one of the things he was quoted as saying is that, you know, no one remembered the Armenians. No one's going to remember this either. Wow. It was a, a motivating factor, I think, or sort of a, a supporting factor in his thinking. And it's surprising. Here we are 100 years later. And I'm I'm very happy to see that it seemed this year more than ever that I've recalled in the past that the the memorial and the remembrance of this event and the and the push to make it actually recognized by governments around the world who are not currently recognizing it 
is greater now than I remember it ever in the past. It's about time. Velvet Nadine Abashian, I'm very proud and uh, thrilled to have you here in the studio. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Armenian-American Velvet Nadine Abashian is the owner of Alien Village Realty and my next-door neighbor for seven years in upstate New York in the 1960s. Her grandmother survived the Armenian genocide.